What a blessing it is to worship and to lift the name of Jesus. Uh, we uh, have been in a series that we are calling Kingdom Culture. We're studying through the whole Sermon on the Mount. You might think that would be a quick study, but boy, I'm finding out it is a deep study. We're doing the deep end of the pool right now. Amazing uh, amount that Jesus told in these uh, three chapters of Matthew's Gospel. And uh, this morning, we are blessed and privileged to have a member of our teaching team who's going to come and uh, bring the word to us. I like to call him the Apostle Paul, but you know him as Pastor Paul. Paul, come and bring us the word of God. Good morning. So as Pastor Jeff says, we're going to continue on our study of the Beatitudes, just the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon. And as we go through it, the, the more and more we've gone through it, it's just, I just, I would love to have been there, to sit there at the feet of Jesus and just hear this teaching where he's beginning a transition that is going to change the church. It's going to change our Christian walk for eternity because he's about ready to move it from the way that they used to connect with God to a way where we connect directly with God and we become the messenger and we become the carrier and the spreader of the word. So the verses that we're going to talk about today are in Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16. And why don't you stand as we read God's word this morning. It's Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16. And this is Jesus speaking. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. For this this message that you gave that spoke volumes to the people that you were, were talking to that day. But it speaks volumes to the people that you're speaking to in this day. It's just as powerful. It's just as rich. It has just as much meaning. Open our hearts, open our ears, just break down any barriers that we have so that we can hear what you have for us this morning. In your name, amen. You may be seated. So the Beatitudes, what we've been studying are verses 3 through 16. The first verses, verses 3 through 12, they, Pastor Jeff has described it as the ignition, the fuel, the thrust, the trajectory, and the obstacles of kingdom living. In those first verses, it, it talks about what kingdom living looks like. It talks about some of the difficulties we're going to have. But it talks about the way that we can live when we're in unity in our walk with Christ. And then we transition to verse 13 through 16. And it describes the functional reality 
of how we engage. So those of you who have those questions, and I hear this from time to time, well, how do I? How do I share the gospel? How do I spread the word? How do I? This is where Jesus is telling you how you do it. And it tells us how we live in this reality of what our life, our Christian walk can be when we are in harmony with God's plan for us. And so the master teacher, when he gets to this point, he uses two images to teach the manner of how our engagement should look. So how do we achieve it? Jesus shows us, and the imagery was very relevant at that time. As Pastor Jeff talked last time, he talks about the fact that Salt was actually something that was very important. People actually got paid in salt. And then we're going to talk about light. Light was very important to these people in many different ways. And one of the ways when Jesus talks about he's the light of the world, when he says that he was the light of the world, he was teaching that at a time where they were celebrating them being drawn out of Egypt into freedom. And as they were drawn out, during the day there was a cloud, but at night there was fire and light. And that's what is important to them because that light is what led them to the promised land. And these images are still relevant today. The salt just means that we are to flavor the world. We are to make a difference and flavor the world and help prevent the decay that is happening in this world. The light... It's a a point of guiding, a point of direction. In the Bible, the word light, it's used basically in a universal religious symbol. And it talks about purity as opposed to filth, truth or knowledge as opposed to error or ignorance, and divine revelation and present as opposed to reprobation and abandonment by God. Light is a general rule in the Bible. It's a positive thing. But something we'll learn this morning is you've got to be careful. Because as anything that's good, there are people that will grab it. And they'll twist it, and they'll pervert it, and they'll use it in their own way. So as it begins this, Jesus uses these two very simple illustrations. And he talks about a city that is set up on a hill. And he says, the city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then the second one is a lighted lamp. And he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And you think about that, and that's just common sense. There's no major teaching here. There's no major revelation. He's just giving us something very simple. So he talks about a city on a hill. And what it means is is it's just a city that's up. It's in plain view for everyone to see. You can't miss it. See, John Withrop, he was one of the earlier governors of Massachusetts, and he used this phrase in a speech that he was talking about the city of Boston because the city of Boston at that time was geographically comprised of three hills. And the tallest of these was known as Beacon Hill. And what he said was, is for we must consider that we shall be a city up on a hill, the eyes of all people 
are upon us. See, cities at the time of Jesus were built with light-colored limestone. Sort of would look like what we have back here. Sort of that Jerusalem stone look. And during the day, these walls reflect light. As the sun hits them, it reflects it. And you can see it. It stands out from the surroundings. And at night, the inhabitants would light lights. They'd light them along the walls. They'd light them in their houses. They'd light them in just different places. And it became a beacon for those that were traveling and for those that were around. And they could see the city. They, could, they wouldn't miss it from a distance. And so to those people, it made very just common sense that, of course, a city set up on a hill was something that you're going to see. And you can't hide it. There's no way to hide it. And then he goes on to a lighted lamp. If you look at the definition, the purpose of a lamp is a device for producing illumination, consisting originally of a vessel containing a wick soaked in a combustible material, and subsequently, as we get, clo- we get to today's age, other lights producing instruments such as gas and electric lamps, sort of like the lights we have here today, so we can see in this room. And lamps are, are used to light up a room at night so that one can see their way around. How many of you have ever been in a dark room and you try to maneuver because you, you, you don't want to wake anybody up or disturb anybody? And there's obstacles in the floor and you have to get around them. But when you turn the light on, you see everything. Back when our children were little, we used to go camping. And we went up into the mountains of North Carolina. And there's one thing I learned during this trip in the mountains of North Carolina, that when it's dark, it's dark. It's really dark. And so I needed to go to the bathhouse, and I was walking up that way, and I don't need a flashlight. I'm fine. It's just right there. Well, then I start heading back to the campsite. Forgetting that between me and the campsite is another campsite with a black steel fire pit. I found it. And I believe I still have marks on my legs from where I hit it and went down on the ground. So Jesus makes this simple statement that says you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Because the purpose of the lamp is to illuminate, and it gives light to all the house. It's to expose what is there. Light must be used to expose, or it's of no use of all. If you hide under the basket, it is useless. You might as well not have even lit it in the first place. So he gives us these two examples, and then he jumps into what I call the big transition. And he says, in the same way. So what's happening is now he's turning the focus up on his message from being an object lesson to being something very personal, directed at us. Because he was talking about the purpose and necessity of light that these people understood to how we as Christians to engage in the world today. 
And so his teaching started with, you are the light of the world. So what's the significance? So we look at the phrase, light of the world, when it's used in those specific words, in that order. I found it three times in the Bible. John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says this at a point where he was teaching in the synagogue. And in the middle of his teaching, the people brought before him an adulterous woman. And interrupted his teaching, because what it was, it was, the, it was the religious leaders trying to trick him. And so we go through the whole adulterous woman where he finally just looks at them and they say, what should we do with her? And he says, well, whoever, has the, whoever does not have any sin, then you cast the first judgment against her. And they all left. And so then he just, it says, and then he just begins teaching again, and he starts with this statement. Because what he's doing is is he's bringing light to what's going on. In that interruption, he was bringing light to those people that you may bring sinners before me, but you're, you're a sinner also. And then again, he uses it in John 9, 5, and he says, as long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. And he says this right after he's in the temple, in the synagogue, and he heals a blind man on the Sabbath. He was not supposed to do that. And that's what he says, wait a second. There was a blind man that couldn't see. He lived in darkness and I brought sight. So as long as I am in the world, I will bring light to this world. Now when he made these statements, he says, I am the light of the world. Then he also, in today's message, he talks about that you are the light of the world. But Jesus never said, and like in last week's teaching we talked about salt, he never said, I'm the salt of the earth. Because salt is what we are to do. We are to flavor the earth. We are to flavor the world. He never says, I'm the salt. He says, I am the light. That's the significance we're going to talk about, is why it's important that he's the light, and then he transitions it from he is the light to we are the light. The quote I read, it says, if Jesus is the light of the world, it means we should never have to walk in darkness again. Jesus is the only way to God. He is the only way to living a life that is filled with peace and strength, grace and courage, love and mercy, forgiveness and power. We must seek the light and follow the light who is Jesus. You see, because life gives the gift of guidance. So those who have lost their way can find their way home. And so in Matthew 5, 14, everything changes. Because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And the you in this statement is emphatic and has a clear meaning and directive. There is no question when you look through the theological books and you look through all of the commentators there is no question in who Jesus is talking to because there's times when you get to some words of Jesus whatever and the commentators just want to argue about them and what he really meant there is no argument in any one of them about what he's talking about here when he says you he is specifically referring to 
his followers. So if you follow Jesus, he says that you are the light of the world. Jesus gives the Christian both a great compliment and a great responsibility when he says, you are the light of the world. Now we hear that statement and it just goes, okay, you're the light of the world. Well, the people that were listening there, what they were hearing was something that was groundbreaking. You see, because the Jewish religious leaders at that time thought that they themselves were the light of the world. And they prided themselves in this. And in Romans 2, 17 through 19, Paul points this out. And he's talking to the, the Jewish leaders and about the fact that they, they think that they're the light. And that they are the ones that proclaim the message and the laws of God. And what Paul says is, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law, that's the important part, rely on the law. And boast in God and how his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. You see, the Jewish practice of being the light was based on knowing and carrying out the law. They were very prideful. They were very arrogant about the law. And they wanted to proclaim it. And they wanted to make sure you understood it. And they also wanted to point out when you didn't follow it. But not so much when they didn't. Because they thought they were justified. And it was all based on their outward acts. But you see, God applies his law to both our actions and our attitudes. Sometimes we only want God to judge us based on our attitudes. And then there's other times we want God to judge us based on our actions. You see, God holds us accountable for both our motives and our action. And light was important because it was needed because the world is in darkness. It was in darkness back then and it's in darkness now today. Just walk out these doors, turn on the news, go to a store. You see the darkness that is out there. And if our, Christian, our Christianity imitates darkness, then we have nothing to show the world. To be effective, we must seek and display the Christian distinctive. We can never affect the world for Jesus by becoming like the world. So Jesus begins to clarify the meaning of the light. And he makes it very personal. And he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And this is where some people get tripped up from time to time. Because he talks about let people see your works. And then we get all work-based. But that is not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying it's based on your works. He's saying people are going to see what you're doing. 
but what they're gonna see is the change that God has made in you. And it's gonna point them to him, not to what you're doing. You see, the Jewish believers thought that how they looked and appeared was what was important. And he tells us that our works are an outward reflection of the changes God has made in our heart. Our good works catch the attention of others because they reflect something completely different than what the world teaches. I grew up in a very legalistic Christian home. Some of you will understand that. It was a denomination that believed in just what people thought of you. Very strong on works, very strong on your outward appearance. And so when I would ask my mom or dad if I could do something, some very simple things from time to time that just you would think nothing about, the answer I would get back was, oh, you can't do that. What would sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so think about you and think about us if you did that? Now, what they were doing wasn't completely bad because what they're saying is is your out your actions do reflect your inward heart but they were basing their outward actions on what other people would think so whenever they decided to do something it was based on what someone would think about them not is jesus okay with me in this is this is what jesus would want me to do and that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, let your light shine. It's your really, because your relationship is so strong that when you come to those decisions of, should I do this? It's that conversation between you and him. And by making that decision, that decision is what shines out to the world. And it has nothing to do what others think about what you're doing. It has everything to do about what Jesus thinks about what you're doing. So during this message, the, the message that he was talking about, or the sermon, he starts it off with, okay, if as, a, as a Christian, this is what your life will look like. And I want to read those just to remind us, verses 3 through 12 in Matthew, when he sort of gives us just that look of what the Christian life looks like. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kind of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love how he starts every phrase out with, blessed. If you live these attitudes, these norms, if you live within this culture, this kingdom culture, you're blessed. If a gentleman in our church, whenever you ask how you're doing, he says, I'm blessed and highly favored. 
blessed. That's what God has promised us, that we will be blessed. Now, some of those blessings are because not so some, not some good things are happening to you. As Pastor Jeff talked about when you're persecuted. But there's also times you're blessed when it's just you're doing the right thing. You're doing what God has called you to do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German uh, Protestant theologian, and he was important for his views of Christians, the Christian's role. But the main thing he was known for was how Christians engage in a secular world. How we as Christians are to engage in the world. And what he said was, is these kingdom norms, and that's I think what sort of what it is, is Jesus is telling us this, this is the norm. This is what things should look like. These kingdom norms work out in the lives of the kingdom heirs. That's us, those who are Christians. So as to produce a kingdom witness, light speaks positively of illuminating a sin-darkened world and warns against a withdrawal from the world that does not lead others to glorify the Father in heaven. Flight into the invisible is denial of the call. A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to Follow him. Can't hide. Can't put a basket over our light. Because when we become followers of Jesus, we are his light. Light illuminates what, 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 what was once dark. It reveals things that were hidden. Light disrupts darkness. Light brings clarity. Light brings revelation. Light gives us direction. And when we talk about this light in our Christian life, there's two factors at play here. It becomes very important. And the first is our acceptance of his call to us to serve him. This is directed inward and is is personal. and has to do with our change of heart when we let him in. Philippians 2.12 talks about this. It says, therefore, my beloved, you have always obeyed so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When you let Jesus into your heart and you begin to be a follower of Christ, the first thing that happens is you have opened up a relationship with Christ. And what we're being told in this scripture is, is that you need to have a relationship with Christ where you and Christ work things out. And you say, okay, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this how you want me to act? It's that little voice that whispers when you do something and says, ah, you shouldn't have done that. That's you and God working things out. Always listen. Always strive to work those things out in your own salvation. You should constantly be just wrestling with God about what your walk with him looks like. But then the second part is the outward change that happens after we let him in. Our outward works, our attitude, and our conversations are now different. Not different because we want people to see us as different. They're different because as we work that out with Christ, it just organically flows out of us. Because we're not doing it for others. We're doing it so that I can be closer to Christ. And as I draw closer to Christ, I'm doing things 
that other people go, they notice. And they go, he's different now. Things are different. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What they see in us, what the changes they see in us are not so that they can see us as a better person. It's so that they can see that our God is an amazing God and that he can take the heart of a broken person and change him. One of my favorite translations of the Bible is the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. And when it gets to this verse where it says, and give glory to your Father, it says so that when people see you, they'll see that your God is awesome. And that's what we want people to see when they, when they look at us. They don't want, I don't, don't want them to see us. We want them to see that the God we serve is absolutely amazing. And it gives them a desire to build a relationship with him. But we have to be careful not to let our Christian walk become about our works and our faith. Because see, as a Christian follower, we are to reflect those qualities of light. We're reflecting Jesus. We're not being Jesus. So reflect. When you look at that word, it means the throwing back of a body or surface of light without absorbing it. And when I first read that, I said, I can't use that. Because if I have Christ, how can I not absorb him? Well, that's why I said it's important that there's two parts in our walk with Christ. And the first part is that personal relationship with him. It's between me and God. And I'm, I'm absorbing him there. But because I'm absorbing him, my outward look is reflecting him to others. The best way I can describe this, have you ever seen the, the moon at night? I know you have. You walk outside, and there it is. And sometimes it is so bright, it catches your attention, and you just, you just stop and look at it. It just lights a dark sky. But there's one problem about the moon shining the way that it is. We talk about, oh, look at how the moon is shining tonight. The moon is not shining. The moon is dark. It gives off no light. Men have walked on the moon. They've never walked on the sun. And I don't believe they ever will. The moon only reflects. The moon does not add to that reflection. The moon does not take away from that reflection. The moon reflects what shines on it. And that's what we see. And so the word light, it can be both a noun and a verb. It can be a person, place, or thing, or it can be an action. So the light is Jesus. The light is Jesus. But the action is, is that we are to be the light. We are to shine his light. We are to let him reflect off of us to others. And the object of our shining is not the way that men see how good we are or even see us at all, but that they may see the grace of God that is in us. So 
How do I reflect Christ? See, the sun, the sun is a body of light that casts off light that is created within it. And as we said, the moon is just a celestial orb that circles the earth and reflects light. The light of the sun, both the sun that lights our world and Jesus the sun, is so powerful that it floods through our lives daily. Every waking moment, it's just flowing through us. It's present in so many forms. It's the most influential force on how we perceive and connect with the world around us. But as I mentioned earlier, life can also become dangerous. It can cause damage. Have you ever been out in the sun too long? Because it produces a radiant energy. This energy causes irreversible damage. Light used in the wrong way can bring darkness into our spiritual lives. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 16 addresses this. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves of service of servants of righteousness their end will correspond to their deeds see we live in a world that's filled with darkness because everyone is choosing their own god and the problem is is sometimes even if they're choosing jesus they make him into what they want him to be they sort of push their own motives into it. And just like the Jewish religious leaders, they become ones that it's all about how they look and what they say because they know what's right. I went to see a movie recently. It was called The Jesus Music. And it was about the birth of contemporary Christian music as we know it today. And back when this whole movement was starting, there was a lot of pushback. Now, I'm going to say some of it was rightfully so. Some of it wasn't. Because when you see change coming and you see things happening, you've got to take the word. You've got to apply it to what's happening and make sure that it lines up with it. And so in this movie, it talks about this group that was a secular music group that traveled the country. And one night, God got a hold of them. And he changed their lives. All they knew was secular music. And God changed them. And he said, you are going to be my light now. And they took the Great Commission, go into all the world. And they took it seriously. And so what did they do? They didn't start singing the Christian music of the time that was sung on Sunday mornings. They started singing the music that they knew, but they changed it to talk about Jesus and the change that it had made in their lives. They were shining the light. And they were making a difference in people's lives. People's lives were changed 
And the leader of this group turned on his TV one Sunday morning, and a famous evangelist was on TV that morning. And he was talking specifically about their music. And he said that the, their music was from Satan, and it was the words of the devil. And it just crushed him. Because what he was doing was he was sharing Jesus, and people were being pointed to Jesus, not to his cult, because he wasn't a cult. It was to his God. And the thing that he said stuck with me, and when he, when he, he said it, I just couldn't, I can't let it go. I think about it every day. And when Pastor Jeff talked to me and we said that this was the message that I was going to talk about, about your light, it's like, this is why I saw that movie. Because what he said is, is if we are the light of the world, no wonder the world is so dark. Are we reflecting Jesus? Because if we're reflecting Jesus, this world is bright. This world is illuminated. But if we're illuminating the Jesus that we want to see, we live in a dark world. So Jesus says, let your light shine. Ephesians 5.8, for at one time you, you were darkness. When I read that, that's so hard to hear. And it's so true about every one of us. There was one point in our lives where we were darkness. But now you are a light in the world. So walk as children of the light. If you're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, be a follower of Jesus. You see, it's a choice we make every time there's a decision to be made. Every comment that we make, every time we choose whether to gossip or not, any time we do anything that is contrary to being light, it is a choice. And it's a choice that's yours and mine to make. Every time we walk into the store and walk up to the register and it doesn't quite go the way we want it to go. Every time we're driving in traffic and someone cuts us off. Every time we're on the phone with that person in customer service that we have no idea where they're from and halfway can't understand them. I've hung up the phone many times and Jesus whispers in my ear. Were you a witness? Or did you just darken that person's day the way you treated them? It's a choice that we make. And by the way, darkness is whatever we want it to be. It can be rage, anger, anger, addiction, control, bitterness and unforgiveness, pride and arrogance. You can pick any sin which speaks to you. And it's darkness. But God always gives us options. And choosing the light is always harder than choosing darkness. Because to serve light means that we must change. And that's so hard for us. We don't like change. We have to change to show the light of Jesus. Our thoughts, our desires, it's not easy, but it leads to a fruitful, joy-filled life. And what I want to leave you with is that when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he wasn't asking us to be the light of the world. He wasn't challenging us to be the light of the world. He wasn't commanding us to be the light of the world. 
Jesus says, if you are my follower, you are the light of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, I just pray right now as we talk about just light and how that light just dissipates the darkness. And in our Christian walk, how that darkness is just sin. That we choose in our lives to be light. We choose to be that one that walks into a room and brightens it. And not the one that walks into the room and darkens it. That when people see us, they know that we are different. And it just brings this curiosity about them to want to know more about you. Just help us every day as we follow this, this, this great thing that you've given us to be your light. That every day that we are your beacon, we are your witnesses to the world of the life-changing power that you bring to each and every one of us that is available to anyone who wants to follow you. In your name, amen.